this spring. Only one hero can save her family and prevent disaster. Mom, we're going to be late for school. I don't think so. Whoa. Experience the phenomenon that critics are calling inspiring. Mom, I can't find number 17. Come on, Billy. Dig deep. A lot of fun. And pure genius. Mom, where's my phone? Table. Keys. Mudroom. Dragon Man. Under the couch between the monkey and the flip-flop. How does she do that? Created by God to demonstrate his love with grace, elegance, and poise. Butane torch? Crazy. Seems like your place sometimes, huh? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Can I get all of our ladies to stand? Young, old, moms, grandmas, aunts, all of you. Sisters, friends. Look at all of these women. These are our future mothers. Spiritual mothers. Gentlemen, would you give them a good hand clap? These are the men that love you and support you, help provide for your family. Thank you, ladies. You can be seated. We're going to do something a little different today, and we're just going, we're having the staff ladies to come on panel today, and Pastor Gene is going to, and I are going to tag team together a little bit, right? Got it. Got it. But we're going to just take this time and just learn from each other some questions that we have um, that Pastor Gene has has gotten, and we're just going to um, relay these our answers to you. Um, we're just going to want you to just sit back and enjoy this day, and we pray that all of you moms have a wonderful, wonderful day. But we're going to start it off with um, girls. How would your childhood friend describe you today? Well, my childhood friend would call me uh, stubborn, um, but um, fun, trustworthy, um, loyal, um, outgoing, and a little bit of interest. You said friend, right? Okay, so your friends. friends. Do you have friends, Jana? I did, tons. Um, Everyone was my best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, No, my friends would have said that um, I was a lot of fun, always had a smile on my face, even through tears sometimes, um, but incredibly loyal. The life of the party, which, you know, can sometimes be um, described as wild. Which leads me to my answer. (laughs) Wild and ornery, and not much has changed. Ask my mama. She's right there in the very back row. I will go with, I will agree with Latricia. Stubborn um, and 
I was just constantly in motion. Um, and sometimes the life of the party, um, but a whole lot of strong-willed, lots of that. My friends would say that I giggled at everything. Um, I was also strong-willed and particular. I always had a perfect messy hairsprayed mess up here <laughs> and my shoes were my my white kids were perfectly white and it made me real mad if someone tried to mess that kind of thing up <laughs> i have to be real careful how i answer because um one of my childhood friends that i lived across the street with is here today <laughs> oh. donna gary is um <laughs> One of my childhood friends, and then also Don, you want to come answer this question for no, her? No, 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 no. <laughs> but um, I would say they they would definitely say that I was um, a rough tom girl, um, tomboy type girl. Um, I was pretty brave, pretty daring. I was the kind of girl that wasn't afraid to pick up the bugs and the grub worms, and could bait my own hook. And I didn't, none of that bothered me. I was always um, climbing trees and getting on top of the garage roof when I wasn't supposed to, and so uh, always testing those limits when I was a little kid. Not me. No bugs for me. I'm going to throw a different question out for you this service because we didn't do it last service. Are you ready? How did you know you found the one? Boom, chicken, wow, wow. Well, let me tell you my story. You want to hear my story? Okay. Pastor Keep it PG, Jean, please, for Pastor Gene. All right. Pastor Gene and I, when we, when we were in college, there were four friends that we hung around and did everything together. Two girls, two boys. He was one of the boys. I was one of the girls. <laughs> And I thought that he was trying to go through me to get to my best friend. And he would, you know, always be around us when we would be going places and ask if he could go with us. And you know I'm telling the truth. Don't be talking in Latricia's ear. I will rat you out on every story you tell. I've got a mic too. Okay. Anyway... So he decided that he liked me, and I was not having it. This is true. I was not having it because I thought he was getting to my friend, and he wanted my friend. So anyway, as time went on, I realized, oh, he, he might like me. He might, I think he might like me instead of my friend. So anyone, anyway, as time went on, we got together, and we started dating and everything, and then he took me out to that place in Kansas. What is it called? Spring River. Spring River Inn. The, the restaurant. Make it very clear. <laughs> we were in Don't college. Get, I see you guys in mind. I already go in there. We were in Bible college, okay? He took me out to that Spring River restaurant. And he proposed to me and I laughed in his face. Because I thought he was still a joke. And yeah, I thought he was joking, yes. thought you he was joking. But anyway, I did get the best one. And I love you, baby, with all my heart. So Since it's now, Mother's Day, I won't say anything else. I won't give you any other version of that story because it's Mother's Day. I'll let you have your the moment. Truth. But he Father's Day is coming in a few weeks. He stretches the truth sometimes, right, BB children? 
Oh man, y'all just messed up. That's All my right, kids right girls, there. girls. So how did you know you found the one? Nobody wants to follow that. <laughs> um, well, it was kind of when I first saw him, I knew he was the one. But it wasn't like, oh, like, oh, it was like, really, God? (laughs) (laughs) Let me explain. He would say the same thing. We weren't, like, trying to get together or anything. Our friends were trying to fix us up, and I was like, I don't need any help. I can get any choice of the litter I want, but, of course... He felt the same way, and then we were like, really? And then as time progressed, we began to see, like, yes, we're supposed to be together. Probably after dating one another, like, maybe one to two months. If he would have asked me, I probably would have said yes. But ten months later, he proposed to me, and we've been together ever since. My story might be a little more colorful um, in that... um, I was pretty much instantly attracted to Jerry when I noticed him across the room and we locked eyes and he gave me this little wink and I was like, oh boy, here we go. We're going on a ride now. Hungry eyes right there, right? Hungry eyes. So, but when I realized he was the one was not long after that, we had kind of developed an attraction for each other, and we were spending some time together, but I had a secret, and my secret was that I had already had a child. I um, was a teen mom and was raising my son, and he was about a year old, and um, I had not told him this yet because sometimes that can, you know, scare somebody away, Um, but we had not... Run, boy! I know, I'm telling you. (laughs) So there had been no physical, like we had not done anything like kissed or anything like that. Um, and so I knew the time was coming. Like it was, he was moving in, you know, moving in. And I said, hold on. I've got to tell you something before this goes any further. And I explained to him that I had a son and it was very important to me that I was mama first. And he didn't even let me get the words out of my mouth. He let me know very loud and clear without saying a word that he was all in. So I knew he was the one. Why are these so hard to beat? First off, Jeffrey is just so sexy. And we got to it real quick. But anyways, um, he honestly was the first guy that tamed me down. We honestly tamed each other down. Um, And really, he's the one guy that has truly challenged me and my faith and my confidence. We've had a rocky road, but I wouldn't change one thing for for any of it. Um, I, yeah, I I have to follow that. There you go. Um, I met um, my one in high school at a dance when he wooed me away from my date. I knew he was the one um, because uh, no matter what, he loved me for who I was and never wanted me to be anything else. Um, And so from the moment that 
he wooed me away at the dance. Um, I just knew that. I was just what he needed. Um, Brian and I met when our we had a, a couple of friends who were dating, and they just kind of invited the, us along. And um, then Brian invited us over just to hang out. And, and really, ever since then, we, we dated. We spent really every day together. Um, I just always knew. I just, I love that man. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he was always sweet. He always, he did this thing. He invited me to lunch one day um, after we had just dated. And he just, like, reached out and Touched my elbow, and I just knew. (laughs) Well, our story's a little different. I met Tom through another guy, and no, it wasn't Donnie Gary. No, it was not Donnie Gary. (laughs) And um, Tom was the one with the long, wavy hair, dark hair, the dark tan. He used to haul hay in the summer, and boy, that boy had a tan. Muscles, I'm everywhere. Muscle everywhere. But I think the moment that he said something to the effect, you should never let a guy treat you like that, because he wasn't a very, very nice guy. And he said, don't ever let a guy treat you like that. I thought, hmm, I think you be the one. Yeah. All right, let's get up for all these ladies. You like all these ladies today? Yes, we honor you as well today. We're gonna have a good time here, you know. My in the first service, my wife she honored her mom and wished her a happy Mother's Day because she doesn't get to do that very often. And I noticed I was looking around and her mom's in this service, and I was thinking, you know, she's never stayed twice when I preach, but today because her daughter's doing something, she's staying twice. So you see today, but mom, we wish you happy Mother's Day today, and I'm gonna be with my mom tonight. We'll be with our mom tonight. All right, ladies, let me ask you this question: You're talking about when you first met that special one and you knew, so what would you say today for advice? What would you say to all the single ladies? Come on now. All single ladies. You know you want to sing it. What would you say to all the single ladies today who are waiting for that special one to come along? And, and you know, what's, what, what's the one piece of advice you would give them on waiting and finding that right person? I would say quit searching and find your place in Christ right now. So often you're just constantly searching so you settle so much quicker. Um, And whenever you're on the right path and where God has you and where he's leading you, I promise you God will show up and he will bring you the right one. And not only will he be molding you, but he'll be molding that guy that he has for you women. So hang in there. Don't be discouraged. I add to that um, as well. I, when you know your your value, when you let, when you figure out, when you let God explain or show you how valuable you are, and then that that guy he has for you comes along, and they recognize that value and they treasure that value, um, then you know that that's that that's the person, that's the one. Um, but they value you the way God does. I want to just say that my mom and dad used to teach us. Um, tagging onto them. Don't settle because you could fall in love. That one that you may be dating, you could fall in love and it could not be the right one after you have three or four babies on your hip. So pray and ask God to send you the right one because he will, 
but it's being patient and waiting for him. And so I just encourage you, just be, just be patient. Don't God care. sent you the best one, right? Oh, he right. did. <laughs> right at Spring River. <laughs> you know, and I think it's so true because, you know, I think we, you know, I have people say, I don't like the guys. Why am I keep getting the wrong kind of guy? Why I keep attracting the wrong kind of guy? And I say if you're attracting the wrong kind of guy, then you're probably using the wrong kind of bait. Is that not true? Okay. Right. And, you know, and if you want to get a, a higher standard guy, if you want to get a guy who's got his stuff together, then concentrate on yourself and get yourself together. Get yourself centered in Christ. Raise your, your level and say, God, I, I'm going to depend on you. I don't have to have anybody else. I'm going to be centered in you. And when you send the right person, I'll know it's confirmation. And as you raise, you girl said it so, so good. As you raise your level of your value, then you're going to attract somebody at a higher level. And so, isn't it great? And, you know, and also, you know, if you don't like the groceries, change where you're going shopping. Just a, just a, that's enough. All right. I won't preach anymore there, girls. You know what I'm talking about, all right? Uh, if, if every guy you meet, you, okay, never mind. Let's go somewhere else. All right. But you know what I'm talking about. Uh, tell me, moms, today, what, what is the hardest thing that you want us to know? What's the hardest thing about being a mother? I would say, um, you know, throughout raising children, we have uh, four kids. Our, our youngest is 16, almost 17. And so we've, we've seen from beginning till they leave um, type, of, type of deal. And, and I, I think, you know, when they're, it depends on what stage they're in. You know, when they're tiny babies, you think, oh, my gosh, this is so hard. You know, you're trying to figure them out. And then they're toddlers, and you think, no, this, this is the hard part. This is their, they're toddlers, and they're, they're trying to figure things out. And, and then, you know, they hit teenage. And you think all these stages you think is the very hardest. But for me, um, looking back at all of those things, the very hardest is when they leap. When they're grown-ups, they're adults. Not for me. I'm still waiting. <laughs> She's tapping her foot, waiting for them to get out the door. But I think um, it's right. sometimes hard to let go. It's hard as a mom to let go. It's hard to let them be, be big kids. Hard to let them be grown-ups. Hard to let them be adults and take that first out the doors is, so far for me, the hardest. I would probably say um, the hardest part is... Aside from with your children feeling like you're doing the right thing, but on the outside looking like you got it all together and you're like a total mess. So that's a two side of that coin too. Um, and when you're, um, trying to discipline your children and, and, uh, raise them accordingly or when you're in public and that's when they decide to show another side and you're just like, oh. You have to remember just like, as I've been hearing today, this too shall pass. Um, not rushing a moment away with my children, but definitely that, that feeling of, am I doing everything right for them, by them, uh, so that they can be productive adults one day? Let me ask you this, because none of you said this. And so my, I'm really shocked that you didn't say one of the hardest things about being a mom is mothering your own kids while you're trying to, to mother your husband. Same time! Any ladies understand what we're saying? Come on, guys. We, we, we can admit it. You know, guys, we, we, we never outgrow uh, needing affirmation from a mom. We don't want to marry a mom. We don't want you to nag us. We don't. Come on, guys. All right? Like a dripping faucet. Anybody want to say amen out there? We don't, we don't want to be nagged. We don't want to be told what to do, but we don't want to be affirmed like 
have our mothers affirm us, and we want that from our wife. That affirmation is so big. So, so how do you how do you balance that in your life as you're as you're affirming and mothering your kids, also affirming your your husband, and your spouse? For me, Jeff is the one who disciplines very well, and um, it's taken me a lot of work to try to get on the same page with him and respect him in that. So if my kids are back talking him or whatever it may be. When I step up and I say, absolutely not, you will respect your father, it instantly, you'll see his whole accountance change. It'll not only grow some trust between him and I, but then they know that we're on the same page and we grow so much as a family like that. And I feel like it, it shows respect to him and it lets my kids know where I stand as well. That's good. How about this? What's the most rewarding thing? What's the most rewarding thing about being a mother? I would say the the flip side to um, watching them walk out the door and and take that first step as as you know being an adult moving out is also watching that progress and they are an adult they can take care of themselves they can um, run a house they can be a good dad they can take care of their finances they're they're an adult it's like you you've let them go and then it's it's very rewarding to see that they're they're on their own they're not a not a mess they're they're doing well. I think mine would be that I enjoy seeing my kids accomplish things in life, um, you know, giving, getting their driver's license, sports events, um, all of the different things that they do in life. I enjoy that, and we celebrate that as a family. Um, but I said in the first service, and I'll tell you guys again, but the most important thing to me is to know that they love Jesus. And... Um, Okay, I'm the crier. But to watch them worship. And honor our Savior. And to serve the church. That is probably the most rewarding thing that I could ever receive as a mom. Is to know that they love Jesus with all their heart. And, okay, I'm a mess. (laughs) I think... I think it's rewarding when, um, you know, you spend all this time talking and sharing with your kids and pouring in values and all these things to them. Um, but then when you, um, you hear comments from their youth pastor or their teachers and, and they tell you all of the things that you've been, um, facilitating in your, in your children and then you see them demonstrating and other people are noticing. Um, and, and I'm going to be honest, it's really nice, too, whenever your kids come to you and they tell you you were right about something. <laughs> so It's so interesting in that same moment that it can end up being, uh, it's something that you had, before you had a conversation, it was one of the most frustrating moments, or it was one of those moments where you're like, I don't know why they're doing this or why it's going that way. But then it, it, when you have that moment, you, you teach them and you have that challenging conversation. And, and then they end up, um, that's when that, that thing comes along. That's when a year later you see them um, coming to, it comes full circle. Uh, I do always find it funny, funny though, when that same day there's going to be another conversation with another child. Um, but it's so rewarding when they do, um, when it, you get to see it. You get to see the moment where I, I planted the seed and then, then we got to see the growth. 
Okay, let's ask this question because as you girls were talking, you know, we talked about how rewarding it is to have our kids love uh, serving in the church, how important it is to have our kids love worshiping in the church. How can we as parents, how can we as moms and dads help shape our kids in that way? How can we give them the heart to want to serve? You know, and sometimes I think it's we see different attitudes out there. You know, I've got to go to church versus I get to go to church. You know, I've got to do this No, versus I get to do this. How do, how do we change that mindset? Because I know it's something all of us here, we all at one time or another have struggled with our own families. So how, how do we change that mindset and see that shifting around to where our kids really want to love to serve? I think it starts at when they're babies. I believe that you are the example for your children. So it's not what we're doing in here on a Sunday morning, raising our hands. It's what you're doing at home. I can tell you one of the most special times in my life, and I cried all day, and I'm going to try not to cry right now. But a lot of you have heard my husband and I's testimony, and that was a really, really hard time in my life. And there was many times where I was on my knees just praying to God because I was at such a humble place in my life. And when I clean, I always, we jam out to praise and worship and everything. And I came around the corner, and my son Maddox was four at the time, and he's just sitting like this, just praying because he had seen his mom do it. And that is so special to me because he talks to God each and every day. I don't tell him how to pray. Y'all, it's just talking to God. I think we overthink it way too much with religion and just building that relationship with Christ. My son can't wait to tell him about his Spider-Man moves and everything at night. And it's, it's the most rewarding thing just to see how much they love God. I'd like to also piggyback off of Kristen about just being an example to your children um, in the home. Because it starts at home before it goes out anywhere else. Um, a lot of times we rely on school teachers or in our church or Sunday school teachers to teach our children, which we, that's our job, but it starts at home with mom and dad. We are our children's first teachers. And so, um, for us, our children love to be at church. If we pass by this building and they see a car in this driveway, they're like, what's going on and why aren't we there? And I'm like, sweetie it's not is they're having a meeting or this or that and, and they're they're trying to figure out I, I love the fact that when we get in our van the kids are like um we need our jesus music on or um you know my two younger ones that go to a christian school and i said like, what did you learn today? we learned about jesus and all these different things and i love that you know i love that they are being poured into in home as well as outside of the home and it's about what you surround your children around as well that molds them into the individuals that they are. Um, even though I grew up in a, a, a Christian home and we went to church, I didn't go to, I went to church because my parents took me to church. It wasn't that I always wanted to be there. And it wasn't until adulthood that I really understood the whole, everything just came full circle. But it's really a joy to see my children wanting to be here, wanting to serve, Loving every moment of it. Yeah, and it's something we've been talking about as a staff even. So I'll just tell you this because it's something we talk about as a staff. More recently, we've been reminding ourselves of this and saying, you know, it's important. Every time we pull up, say, what a privilege it is to, to be on staff. What a privilege it is for our kids to come and to be a part of serving here at the local church. And I think that should go on to all of us that we remind our families, well, we get to go to church tomorrow. We get to serve. We get to worship. We get to give. You know, it's not we have to. So make sure if you're using the words have to, you know, they, they have to go to school, right? But, you know, we get to go to church. And, and make sure we 
it's important in the DNA. And I can tell you that every one of their children, you know, especially the ones that are, are stepping up and getting older, all serve in our church. And I'll come down. If mom's volunteering, they're volunteering. If dad's volunteering, they're volunteering. On Sunday mornings, they're working one service, attending another service. Some of them working both services. They're all involved and actively involved. And that thrills my heart because I know that that's passed on. And I hope that that continues to be the heart as we pass on the DNA to all of our children in the house. So let me ask you this. Now, there's a big push, you know, with the, the modern movement now to uh, for women's movement. There's a lot of different hashtags we could use right now to promote what's going on. And I think that it's very much appreciated. I think that uh, we need to honor women. We need to make sure that they're not being discriminated against. They should not be abused verbally, sexually, anything in the workplace. We need to learn how to treat women. We need to raise our men how to treat women with respect, honor. Young guys, here today, you treat these women with honor and respect, and God will reward you. And that's what we got to do. Uh, but, you know, this whole movement and, you know, equal pay and all this stuff and independent woman, if we're not careful, though, I wonder if it's, is, it's, is it pushing us to devalue being a mother versus being an independent woman? And so how do we, how do we do that, ladies? How do you pass that message on of, yes, it's okay to be independent and go for your dreams and your goals, but yet, you know, there's something beautiful about being a mother as well, and we don't lose that in, in the whole time. Um, for me, I've always wanted to be a mother, and Lord blessed me with five children. Um, but I will say, at the same time, I will be considered one of those independent women. Um, definitely, when I was dating Justin, he was like, you know, he did all the gentleman things. He still does those things. But it was kind of like I had to... In my a mind shift had to basically take place that um, it's okay for him to do things for me when I can't do them, or I, it's okay for me to be uh, show my weakness sometimes. I don't always have to be strong, and um, that's definitely a balance. Um, but as far as being um, a working mom, I do I teeter totter every once in a while. Like, man, it'd be great to stay at home, but at the same time, I don't believe that's all that God has for me. So um, he's gifted me with so many things to, and, and ways to touch other people. So I'm not, for me, I'm blessed that I'm a teacher. So in the summer months, I get to be pseudo stay-at-home mom with my children and pour into them. And when we have those breaks, we, we really we really enjoy those times because we know when the work week is going, it's crazy. And so we value that time. So I will, I'll just say more of a balance in what you have um, for yourself, what values you have for yourself. I get the opportunity to work from home, which is kind of the best of both worlds. Um, but I had a time in my life where I had a career and I was out of the home. And so it's definitely about balance. But I would say this. I don't think that... Um, one is better than the other. I believe that as women and as moms, we are here to support each other in what decision that we make that is good for our families. So um, because I get to be in my home working, that doesn't mean I value less the lady who has to be at her job, you know, at 7 o'clock and she doesn't get home until 7 o'clock that evening. Um, I want to support her. I want to pray for her and help her. So um, I think that that is something very important. I believe in equality for women, um, but I also believe that we have a biblical standard 
um, as, as Christian women that we are to put ourselves into. And so we, we are just here to support each other. So, you know, I think that's what she was talking. I thought, you know, I think it's clear if you, you know, if, if pursuit of your career stops you from being able to be a mom, then, then you can, maybe you need to think about pumping the brakes until the right season. Because everything goes through seasons, you know. Sometimes the kids are, are needing you more than other times, and sometimes they're in school, and you can have go after your career or go back to school again and those things. And uh, so what would you say? I know, Debbie, you've gone through both. There's been times you stayed at home. There's times you worked part-time. Sometimes you worked full-time. What would you say to those who are going through all those different seasons and trying to find it out? It's really hard, and I don't, I don't think that you can find a real balance without help. You know, we need help from our immediate family in the home. We need help from our church family. We need help from our, our friends, our, our school uh, family. I don't think that, that you could uh, find or attain that true balance without help. I mean, somebody's got you, – you cannot be expected to – um, be the, the sole provider of all of the meals that's, that's provided on the table. You can't be the, the one that's always going to get all the laundry done if you're going to work a full-time job. That's just not possible. You can't get the kids to every sporting event, every practice by yourself. You need help. And regardless if that's the, the husband or if that's your community help, your church help, um, it, it can't be expected to be happen, you know, on a regular basis. It's, there's not going to be a balance there. So you, you have to have help. You have to reach out for help, and you have to accept help sometimes. Hey, Jen, why don't you answer this question and talk about guilt. You know, those who are feeling guilty about having to work full-time, and uh, am I giving my kids enough attention? Am I doing enough in the balance? And feeling that guilt, that mom shame that sometimes women put on themselves. Talk about that. Uh, mom guilt really is a, is a, is a real thing. Um, and uh, I'm going to echo for something that Lisa said in first service, um, giving ourselves some grace. Um, we're not going to get it right. We're not going to always be perfect. Um, and I, I know that because uh, I, I work outside the home. Um, I'm an administrator in Carthage, um, and I love what I do. It is my mission field. Um, it is what God um, has equipped me to do. Um, and so I want to make sure that when I'm, I'm balanced, that, that's something mom guilt comes from is, is working outside the home. Um, but when I'm home, I'm home with my kids. Um, we want to make sure that I, I heard this, or I, I love the visual, um, that we only have a few big rocks that we can um, pour sand around. And so I want to put down family, God, and then and work. And then everything else will just fall into place where it, it will around. Um, but if I'm home with my kids, I get the breaks like Trisha does. It's amazing in the summer. Um, and I want to be present. I want to be present in those conversations. Um, I want to be present in their life when I'm there. And when I'm at work, I want to be present there, um, knowing that God will work all the other details out. How about this question? You know, how do we as parents and as mothers, how do we inspire our kids to go after their dreams and not live our dream? You know, because as parents, we're all guilty of that. We want our kids to follow in our footsteps. So we got dreams for them. And if we're not careful, we overshadow our dreams for our life versus unlocking their dreams for their life. So how do we do that? What's, what's the way? Some of you are in that stage already of jump-starting that. And some of you have already had kids that graduate. So how, how do you do that? How do you, how do you inspire your kids to be unique and go after their dreams? For me, I mean, my sons are two and five. And my main goal is to pull out all of their unique abilities. They're both completely different. And so first and foremost, I want them to know who they are in Christ. 
who God made them to be, and truly repeat that to them every single day. Actually, this morning, this is nerve-wracking for us to set up here, by the way. It's not easy. And my five-year-old, he looks at me, and he said, Mom, you are brave and confident. And he said that to me in the bathroom this morning because I speak that over him when he goes out on the t-ball field. You can do this. He's nervous, but you can do this. And so for me, I want them to try whatever they want to try. We will encourage that and push them. Um, but we also want to pour the spiritual side of things into them to grow their confidence and, and let the rest play itself out. And I, I want to, my consistent prayer as a mom is to see my kids through his eyes. Cause when I see my kids through God's eyes, then my agenda or the things that I might see, uh, or that I might put more value in, um, will will just kind of wash away. I want to see them for what he sees them as so that that's the things that we're coaching in them um, for whatever he's going to do with them in life. I um, was shopping yesterday, and, and one of the, the cashier at the store I was at um, was talking to another employee, and, and she said, we found out it's a boy. And I said, oh, congratulations. And she said, thank you. She said, my husband's so excited because he loves basketball. And so he was so excited to find out that it, it's a boy and we get to do boys basketball. And I said, be prepared for him to like baseball, football, or wrestling way more than basketball because <laughs> he may have a whole different plan. His, his friends and all his buddies may, may be into something way uh, different than you ever, ever thought about. And she said, oh, yeah. Like it really hadn't even occurred to her yet that he may not play basketball. And so, um, you know, you just have to kind of be prepared. You know, your kids may may have um, likes and, and uh, dislikes way way different than yours. And, you know, you kind of have to just encourage um, that to happen and grow in them and see and and then then say, hey, you want to you want to try football? You might want you might like that. You know, it may, may be a, a star at it. You never know. Right. I think it's important because it's, it's one of those things where we as parents, we're letting them try several things and then. We can see where the talents are. We should be able to be. And, and uh, I think that as we see that, then when do we know when to be hard on them and when to push them and when just to be, have fun, you know, enjoy life, you know, just, just have fun at this event or this thing you're doing. And some people have asked me that question before, and I think it's, you know, one of those things where if you see your kid is gifted in something, it's a passion of theirs, and then I'm going to push them a little harder in that area and challenge them because it's easy for them in that area. And so I'm going to be a little harder in that area. In other areas where I know that it's not really going to be their passion alive, it's not going to be a long-term thing, I'm like, just have fun. Just have fun. Enjoy it what you can. Do your best, but have fun. It's all right if you're not the best at that. It's all right. The things you are good at, sometimes I'm going to push you a little harder in. So it's all balanced. But how do we deal with a culture that wants to tell kids that they're good at everything? So how, how can we, any parents I was talking about? We have a culture sometimes that tells our kids they're good at everything, and then they get up and try out for, let's say, we tell them they have the greatest voice, you know, Kristen, and we tell them they have the greatest voice, and they get up and try out for the worship team, and they're not. They don't. So, so how do we do that as parents? How do we be honest with our kids and help them, you know, not have that thing where they think they're good at everything, then they get older, and all of a sudden it's a, it's a shock to them. Well, I'm not that good, you know? How do we do that? I think as a society, we've done a real disservice to our kids by giving a trophy for everything. And I feel really strongly about this because I think that when they become adults, they are complacent adults. They think, oh, what I did was good enough because I got a trophy for doing good enough. So I think we've done a real disservice to our kids by not being realistic. 
And um, I, I, by realistic, I don't mean that we need to be, you know, soul crushing um, to them, but encourage them, encourage their strengths. And if, if you see them, you know, heading in the wrong path, you might just want to redirect. I used to think uh, Tom was just cruel to our kids sometimes because he would say things to them, I, you know, when they were younger and I would be like, they would come off the field and I would be like, you did so good, you're awesome, I just loved it, you did wonderful. And then Tom, later, they would be talking about it and he'd say, well, you know, you're not the best kid on the field. And I'd be like, dang, that's harsh, you know. And then, you know, he, he has straight up told our kids, you want more playtime, get better. You know, you got you to work. You gotta, everybody wants that spot. That spot on the field's not just for, for the Harlans, you know. I, I think perseverance and resiliency are amazing character traits for our kids to have. And it's something that if we if they don't recognize strengths and, and weaknesses, then they're not they can't persevere when it's something that um, is not a strong area. And then they can't be resilient when man, I didn't, I'm I'm not as I'm not good at that, or I so resiliency I think as a as a culture is something we could we could afford to have a little more of and then persevere when, you know, it doesn't come easy. Um, that's a, a, where work ethic really comes from. I know for us in our home, especially we have our family game nights and that includes the three-year-old in this. When they know how to play the game, all bets are off the table. <laughs> and so um, if they lose, you know, they're like, they're crying, say, no, you have to do, learn sportsmanship. And when they win, we cheer them on. But yes, we, you know, just because you're little and you did it, you know, great job that you tried, but it's not always, yay, you were great at this. It's not. Um, I showed this Kayla's in here. Um, she was going out for basketball and she was trying to balance basketball and dance. And the first year she could do basketball and it was great. And then the second year she was trying to balance basketball and dance and it didn't go so well. So when she would leave her dance, she would be thrown on her uniform to go to a game and she hadn't really had a chance to warm up. And all the other girls are in hustle mode and she's still in ballet. So when she would run down the field, she's like, (laughs) and so it was one of those hard things, even though she loves the sport and she's wanted to try it again next year. I said, I said, Kayla, where's your strength? And she was like, dance. I said, let's stick with dance and we'll, we'll pour more into that. And I said, you can always come back to basketball. We said, we're not saying that basketball is off the table, but right now this is where I see you better, you know, fulfilling that spot. So always showing them again, like everyone else said, encouraging those, those strengths there and, and making it blossom into more uh, things than they thought of. And, and another thing about just, um, you know, parents having goals, I think it's great that you have dreams as well and not necessarily living them throughout your kids, but making sure that with all these things, it's possible for us to even live our own dreams, our wildest dreams. And so when our children see that we're living our wildest dream and living the best life, then that encourages them to also want to live their best life. I'm going to ask you two more questions, and then we're going to close the tears down. What's one thing you'd want every man Every husband, every father to know. It's one thing you say, if I could just tell you anything, I want you to know this about, about us as mothers or as ladies. And we want intimacy. Um, and intimacy isn't just sex, it's communication. Um, I just think it's so important for us as moms sometimes. We need to just get things off our chest and Jeff will just listen or, and, 
We're not very good at communicating. We've had a lot of counseling on it, to be honest. But it's truly changed just who we are and communicating and that intimacy and building that trust. And it's it's a good example for our kids to follow after. And that's our whole goal as parents is to set that foundation and let them know what it's like to have a marriage with two parents that love each other, that are resilient, like Jen said, to teach them that resilience, that perseverance, that love, and to teach them what that identity is from Christ just by an example. We need encouragement. We, we need to hear that we're doing a good job. And sometimes we're going to mess up. We're not perfect. None of us up here claim to be perfect. Um, but we need to be encouraged. We need to feel that encouragement from the person in our house who who is our sole encourager. So I would say encouragement. I, I think we are... Oops. I think we are the, the iceberg that you see the top of. You see, uh, coming up on it, you see that we, this is what we do. This, we, this is what we, but no, there is so much more below the surface. Whether it means that we're doing a million things when it doesn't look like we're just, we're, we're the running around. Um, there's so much more that, um, I hope my husband calls me the tornado because I will run through our house like, uh, just like that. And so he says, but I, I love the tornado and I know that you will all, you'll get it all done. And all you need me to do is support the tornado. Uh, so that, that, that's what I think. Um, one thing that I would, I would like to let them know is, um, we, we are the more, more emotional, um, spouse. Um, sometimes guys don't get that. Sometimes it takes years and years and years for, um, husbands or for Tom to realize that, <laughs> Yes, she's going to cry at every event. I'm, I'm next in line here with the, the criers. But yeah, those emotions are, are right, right under the surface all the time. And so for years, he would be like, really? You're crying? Why are you crying now? This is a happy thing. Yes. I cry at the happy things. I cry at the sad things. We are more emotional. And God made us that way for a reason. He made us that way to offset the, the toughness of the dad and the, the somewhat you know, roughness of the dad, the firmness. Um, he made us that way for a reason. So, um, yeah, we are more emotional. We cry. I would say that we, we want you to know that we really do value your time and your role as our partner. Um, moms get busy, and so there's so many things that we have on our plate and we're taking care of, and it's easy for us to get carried away with those things. And so sometimes we need you to pull us aside and say, hey, it's my time. Um, I really need something from you. Like, I need your time. And, and so it's just important for you to recognize that we have those things going, but you really are important for us, too. Um, your role as our partner is really important. I'm going to answer. Ask one last question. I still one of you to volunteer to answer this question. Only one of you. But it would be this, if you could give uh, one thing you want spiritually, one spiritual lesson that you would say, I wish I could just let every girl, every lady, every woman here know, what's one spiritual lesson that you would love for them to be passed on today? I would say identity. Just knowing who you are in Christ. Each and every one. This goes for men and women. Because throughout your life, you're going to have so much rejection, betrayal, 
We're all human. We live in a world full of hurt, of pain, sorrow. So when you're at that, that rock bottom spot and you see it all over, people don't know what to do because they don't know their identity. And when you can fall down to your knees, like I said earlier, and just cry out to the one who hears everything, who sees every tear, who loves you in every season, no matter what season you're in right now. He loves you. He still accepts you. And just knowing that, it'll change your life and it'll set you free. And I promise that because I'm a living example of it. So knowing who you are in Christ, your identity, and following what God has for you. I would also say being fearless. A lot of times we let fear stop us from doing the things that God has called us to do because of it's uncomfortable. And um, being uncomfortable is a good thing in Christ because that means you're growing. And so I just encourage you guys to move self out of the way and let God mold you into the young man, the young woman that God has called you to be. Amen. Give these ladies a hand. We appreciate them open for the lives to you today. Let's stand on our feet this morning. As you stand up, I want to invite all every lady in the house, young, old, doesn't make a difference, come on up. We, we wanted just to pray for you today before we leave. So all the ladies, can you come and join me around the front today? As you scoot in, making room for those coming in behind you. to make room for those coming behind you guys. There you go. Thank you. I just want to tell you, man, we, we love you. Look at me. We love you. Every one of you are so valuable, so beautiful in your own way, and God values you, and uh, I, I appreciate every one of you. Those of you, I really appreciate those who are single moms and having to carry that robe of both mom and dad, and you got your kids here, and you're working through that. We applaud you today. Yeah, come on, give a big, big, yeah, we appreciate you guys. That, that takes a lot of work. We applaud you today. I just want you to know how beautiful you are today. And uh, our staff's going to come. We just want to lay hands on you real quickly and just pray for you as we close out this prayer. And we want you to know that you are valued by God. He sees you. You are his masterpiece. And today we want his love just to overwhelm you. He's empowering you to be more than what you think you can be. He's empowering you to raise up a next generation of mothers and fathers. He's empowering you to make an impact today and let the Holy Spirit just minister to you today. Let's do this. Put the hand on the shoulder next to you. Let's just touch, touch, touch the lady next to you. Your sister's with you. 
Let's pray for each other as I pray for you guys today. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're healing the places of our life that have been broken. Lord, I pray right now for those ladies in this house, Lord, who are suffering with the mental, Lord, abuse. They've suffered with physical abuse. They've suffered, Lord, with things that have been tragic in their life. And I I pray today to God, you're healing in the name of Jesus. You're healing the tender spots. You're healing the spots that haven't healed. Father, right now, I pray to Father, we're releasing those to you in Jesus' name. That God, we're going to walk forward, that we don't carry that over to the next generation. But God, we're going to instill in the next generation the love, the security, Lord, the boldness, Lord, the passion to go after their dreams, God-given dreams, the kingdom of God. And God, I speak right now, Lord, you'll raise up women who are bold in their faith, who lead, Lord, their children in the ways of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, you're healing us from the inside out today. And God, I pray right now, you'll light a fire. Lord, may there be prayer warriors praying for their kids. They won't, they'll stand in the gap when their children are, are wandering away. The Father, they won't just cry about it. God, they'll cry out to you and pray over their children, pray over their homes. God, calling out their children's names. Lord, raise them a passion for prayer in our ladies, God. Praying over their families, praying over their children. And God, I thank you, Lord, for every beautiful lady, young lady, Lord, every grandmother, Lord, every mother, every aunt, every sister. God, every friend today, Lord, I pray that, Father, you would be with them today. And they feel loved, affirmed, and accepted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now turn around and give that lady a hug next to you. Come on, give me a big hug. Let me love We love you guys. Have a beautiful day the rest of this day, ladies. We love you, honor you, God bless you.